On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every day, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I am your host, Ron Johnson. Yes, I'm back. My voice is getting a little better. Still not there yet, though, but I, I, I got to make sure I'm not screaming this weekend at my daughter's softball tournament again. But for those that continue to download and watch on YouTube and subscribe on your podcast platforms, we want to thank you. But on today's show, we're going to do the Daily Three, of course. I mean, you got some hockey talk in there. You got some basketball talk in there. Uh, Warriors, is this the end? Is this it? Like, is Andrew Wiggins finally going to get his ring? Is this going to happen? Is he going to be the MVP? Can he steal the show tonight? Because we know what Andre Iguodala did to Steph Curry. We're going to take some more fan questions because there was a lot more questions that came after the show. And so we want to make sure we're continuing to interact with you fans. Please, if you have questions, don't be afraid to tweet out to our Locked On Sports Minnesota Twitter account. And we will get to those questions as we begin to do this more and more in the show. But we're going to talk coaching, NFL coaching rookies to be exact. And as I bring Sam Ekstrom in, there's some going around right now where they ranked the rookie head coaches, and they have Kevin O'Connell ranked. And they have Matt Eberflus. They have Mike McDaniels, Brian DeBall. So we got a lot of rookie, Nathaniel Hackett. We got some rookie head coaches. Is Kevin O'Connell one? Is Kevin O'Connell four? Where does Kevin O'Connell fall? But before we get to that, we have a word from our sponsors. You know how our friends at Built Bar are always coming out with amazing new flavors? Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new Mud Pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. Not sure what Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate topped with cookies and cream crumble. Wow, I'm salivating. You've got to try Mud Pie as soon as possible. You need to hurry because the Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff are only available for a limited time. Visit Built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. And they're good for you. Only 16 or only 150 calories, only 8 grams of sugar, and you've got 16 grams of protein. They're available at Built.com right now. 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Well, we're back now. Sam Ekstrom is into the show now, brought the producer in, so we can talk about this topic. If you were to rank the top five rookie NFL head coaches, where would you put them? Well, Sam, throw the question out there. Who did it? Who said it? Where they land? Yeah, okay. So Pro Football Network ranked. They ranked all the coaches, but they specifically put the rookie coaches in like a, a group of five, and they ranked – Number number one, Mike McDaniels. Number two, Ryan Dable, the uh, former Bills coordinator, new Giants coach. People pretty fond of what he did in Buffalo. Number three, Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers' former coordinator, new Broncos coach, teamed up with Russell Wilson there in Denver. Number four, Matt Aberflus, the Bears head coach, former Colts defensive coordinator. So who does that leave? Who's number five? Kevin O'Connell is number five of the five rookie head coaches. 
Ron, what do you think about that slight to Kevin O'Connell at the bottom of the barrel for the rookie head coaches? I honestly feel like this is a ranking of head coach with QB. I don't know why, but so many people continue now. I don't think that's the case, though, because the Dolphins have Tua, and Tua is not a top 15 quarterback. Uh, the Giants, come on now. They're not, they don't have a top 15 quarterback. The Broncos, okay. They got Russell Wilson, so I get that. The Bears, Justin Fields. There were some arguments put out there for Justin Fields. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's ahead of uh, Kirk Cousins. So KOC, quarterback we're about to play with, takes the lead there. Now, what have you done for your former team? Well, you got the 49ers OC. Well, he didn't call plays. You got Brian DeBole, Bills OC. Now, he, you can say he called plays, so I can put him up there. Nathaniel Hackett, I'm guessing no. LaFleur called the plays with the Packers. Uh, Eberflus, Coach DC. So, yeah, he called the plays. So, those two. So, then Kevin O'Connell, Super Bowl champ. We know McVay was kind of the play caller. So, I put him again at third. So, I don't understand where this fifth comes from. If you look at all the metrics of where they came from and where they are, in each one, Kevin O'Connell, you can argue top three in that. I, I don't see the reason. I don't see the purpose. Maybe because – um, you know, there wasn't a ringing endorsement for Kevin O'Connell the way there was for like Mike McDaniel, some of these other guys as the jobs were getting uh, given out. I would say you would say these names were usual suspects that kept popping up uh, guys. That, but again, it's the NFL Network. They're just going off of emotion. They're just going off of what they think. I'm just using the numbers, the analytics, where they come from and where are they now? Kevin O'Connell's top three in all of them. That's my take. What do you think, Sam? I just don't get how you put Mike McDaniels at the top of the list and O'Connell at the bottom when they both have come from these really smart offensive head coaches who called the plays for them. I mean, I guess McDaniels has maybe been to a few more teams in his career. He's he's a little bit older, but I, I don't get the discrepancy between the two because come from the Shanahan tree, you learn from Shanahan, now you're a head coach. I think that's a great situation. O'Connell comes from McVay. Now he's a head coach. He gets to call the plays. He learned from one of the best. Why the divide between those two? That, that's what I don't get. And the situation that O'Connell steps into, I mean, the Vikings are definitely prepared to be more competitive than, say, Aberflus and the Bears, um, certainly Dable and the Giants. And you could debate more competitive than the Dolphins as well. The Dolphins are kind of a wild card. So I disagree with the list. I mean, I think that you can knock him for not, you know, calling plays, certainly. But when other guys haven't called plays either, um, I don't see what sends him down to the bottom there. Yeah, Sam, I don't know either. I don't get it. Um, I, I don't understand the metrics. I don't understand the numbers. I wish they would kind of, like, give us bullet points to their, to their actuality and their takes. But again, Kevin O'Connell is young. Kevin O'Connell wasn't a face like he wasn't a name that came up um, in conversations during the Super Bowl, during the playoff runs. You know, a lot of people are saying it's all Matthew Stafford. McVay got them there before with uh, what's his name? Uh, they went to the Lions. And then all of a sudden now, hey, it's Matthew Stafford. So was it Kevin O'Connell or was just Matthew Stafford just that good? Um, there's a there's a lot of things, you know, they can create a narrative and say this is the reason why this is at the end of the day. He's a former player. He played the game. He's a backup quarterback, which tend, they tend to do well as far as the coach goes. 
And he has one of the best teams as far as ready to go. I mean, if I look at the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos, the Bears, um, come on. Or, yeah, yeah, come on now. Like, Dolphins, Giants, Broncos, Bears. Vikings are the better team of all five. So you can rank them however you want. But if I'm going to say head coach in a position to win, Kevin O'Connell is number one. Like, you can't take Kevin O'Connell out of that. But that's what I have to say. Well, up next, we're going to have fan questions. Fans continue to tweet us, so we want to pay them off. Stay tuned for that. Well, the fans continue to tweet and ask us, hey, did I miss my opportunity to have my question read on film, on camera, on the show, on the Ron Johnson show? And so, of course, I mean, we love the fans. Why? Because it's early. So the early adopters, hey, you're going to be a part of the family. And we're going to continue to make sure we tweet these guys' handles out. We're going to interact with these guys. As we grow, we want to make sure our fans are being taken care of. But up next on the Ron Johnson Show, Sam is going to read some questions, and I'm going to have to answer them. I don't even know the questions because I stopped watching some of them. So these are going to be hot fire just thrown at me, and I got to dodge live bullets. But before we get to the first question, we have a word from our sponsors. All right. Big news. The NBA Jam is back at Arcade 1UP, the leader in at-home retro arcade games. And they're not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a Shaq edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump across the court, set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters required. Good pace of play. Uh, compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. It's old school meets new school. Pre-order now from arcade1up.com. That's arcade1up.com. You can get the shipment in early September. It's the place for fun. More classics as well, like Golden Team, Mortal Kombat, and others starting at just $399. Check it out. NBA Jam Shack Edition. We want to give one to a lockdown listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. Arcade the number one up.com slash locked on. You've got until July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Well, Sam, is that time? It's fan questions. Take it away. All right, we got five questions let's see if we can get through them all starting with jesse cash asks do you think the rg3 trade three firsts and a second and the hainsworth fine to albert hainsworth over 50 million in today's cap should be talked about more when kirk's career record is mentioned now he's, he's what he's saying is those washington teams were gutted on defense so basically what he's getting at is Washington gave away a bunch in the RG3 trade, um, mm -hmm. and they lost a lot against the cap in the, in the Hainsworth fine. So did that affect Kirk's career mark in his Washington years? No. <laughs> like, I mean, you get what you get. The Vikings have, have paid a lot of defensive guys as well, and they still have Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Washington football team was just not good. Um I mean, yes, RG3 and all the stuff they did and, and trying to get him in there, he wasn't, you know, he got hurt and then he tried to play too soon and got re-hurt again and even worse. Um, Kirk Cousins did what he could do, but when your defense isn't really that good, um, your offense is struggling, uh, they were built on a quarterback that was going to run 
I mean, RG3 was known for using his legs a little bit. I mean, he could throw the ball, but he was he was known for using his legs. And so when you think about him in college, you think about what he was early on. Um, and then, you know, because at first he was lightning in a bottle. You know, him and, him and um, Andrew Luck were, were going back and forth, having great weeks, great games. Uh, but RG3 gets hurt, comes back too soon. Kirk Cousins is born. Um, but no, you, you can't like... I don't think any of that matters with quarterbacks. At the end of the day, it's about managing the game. The one thing you can do to help your defense that sucks, keep them off the field. You know, I think that's going to be the key this year for the Vikings is, you know, punts and all this stuff with one minute to go or getting the ball back with one twelve to go. You're not going to see three and outs. Like Kevin O'Connell, I think, is going to do a lot better job of not forcing the issue, letting the game come to him. I hope. Um, because we talked about that, about the Vikings feeling like they had to have a quick strike and score, you know, with one minute left and all of a sudden one deep pass. Okay. Team's like, wait a minute, we don't have to use a timeout. And then they're like, well, we got to get some back. So let's pass it again. And then they don't. And then now it's third and 11 and or third and 10. And now they have to pass or they're running a draw team uses the timeout still like 58 seconds left on the clock. They punt guys come down. Boom. So I think that that goes on coaching a little bit. Like the offense can sustain a little bit and, and keep the ball on their side and not have a defense be affected by it. But no, I don't think you can take all that and say Kirk Cousins could have a better career if the Washington football team had not done all that. No. Yeah, I mean the RG three trades a long time before Cousins. I mean that's that's three seasons. And I looked at the defensive stats. They were 17th in 2015. They were 19th in 2016. They were pretty bad in 2017. I'll grant you they were 27th, but you can win with a 17th and 19th ranked defense. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think it was a gigantic kind of black cloud over the the Washington football. I mean, the Vikings had a 25th ranked defense, and they still almost made the playoffs every time. So, hey, they could do it. Question from Shane Jackson. With teams like the Rams, Raiders, and Browns signing players to huge contracts and seemingly not worried about the cap, how can Vikings management learn from that and be able to do the same if they wanted to? I don't think it's not being worried about the cap. Is they have cap space in their prepares. The Vikings had no cap space to sign big guys like Von Miller or whoever else was out there. Um, I mean, we talked about this all the time. At one point, they were cap strapped, like they had nothing. They had like a hundred or four hundred some thousand dollars, and then they started to cut guys, move guys, trade guys guys get guys to restructure their contract and i think they got back up in the uppers of four, four million but they had to sign a rookie so no the vikings cap space you know like you can't just go crazy and just sign guys like it just seems like certain teams some teams are doing that but what we're not seeing is all the stuff on the back end the the, the back-ended contracts the back-ended deals where they're taking a million dollars in this first year to come and try to win the super bowl or two million or whatever it is something small and then if they stick around for three years they're going to get paid off um that's both teams taking a gamble on each other, more so the player than the team, because the team's like, look, we got to do for cheap. We don't, we're nothing on the books for the next couple of years. Like if we cut them, we owe them a million dollars each year or something like that. So that's the big difference. It, it's it's a different strategy when you're Super Bowl ready. Um, but also you have to have a coach and a GM and a staff that can go out and, and relate to some of these young free agents out there and say, hey, this is what, like Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, everybody was talking about him going to the Steelers and he disappeared for just a quick second where it was like, ah, is he still the same guy that he was in college? And he's this first round pick that everybody thought he was going to, well, yep, he's the highest paid safety now ever. So sometimes it works out, but it doesn't always work out right away. And I think that's what we have to remember is some of these moves aren't always as great as they look. Like they sound great. They, you know, it's like, oh, they just added all these pieces to the puzzle. But it's like, 
they didn't pay them that much. Jarvis Landry uh, and Honey Badger going to the Saints made them better. They didn't get paid. They're just going to say, hey, look, we can make this team better. We we trust that Jameis Winston as a quarterback can get it done. But if we can come in there and, and be a piece on this defense and be a piece on this offense and, and really make some noise, you know, that's that the Vikings just don't have. And, and again, we have Justin Jefferson Thielen. You can't really sign a big uh, receiver when you already have a quarterback. There's no quarterback to go get uh, when you have an off offensive line. There's no splashy offensive line signings like it doesn't happen unless it's an offensive tackle. That's like a pro bowler like Trent Williams. So, no, I, I don't think there's anything the Vikings. There's not the Yankees. It's not baseball where it's an unlimited cap. Like if you're cap strapped, you're cap strapped. That's the end of it. Yeah, I mean, there are some teams, and, you know, the Rams are currently doing this. The Saints have done this. The Eagles have done this. When they get good teams, they just keep restructuring and restructuring and kicking money down the road, having, facing their problems later, and they try to delay having to pay those bills. Um, but there is a consequence, too. I mean, the consequence is at some point the money catches up, you can't keep your veterans, and you also have less depth. I mean, no one, no one you know, a, across the nation knows about the bottom of the Rams roster, but I guarantee you – it's not that strong. I mean, they're probably counting on a lot of late draft picks, undrafted free agents, and trying to coach those guys up because they are paying the top of the roster so much. There is that trickle-down effect. And I will say this, too. The Vikings have been creative. I mean, the Vikings have found a, a way to get a lot of big contracts under that cap. Like, yep. I never imagined they could sign this Darius Smith this offseason, but they found right. a way. They restructured Hunter. They restructured Thielen, and they got that money in. So the Vikings, while these aren't, like, the top five contracts in the NFL that they're signing they're still getting big names they're just not paying them like 30 million like Aaron Donald correct all right we got another one from Meg Dean with the changes in the defense's style and approach who are some of the players that you feel will truly thrive in this system uh well so it's Darius Smith but he's not new so I think a player that's gonna uh, uh thrive uh, is, is Daniel Hunter. He's always thrived, though, but I think Daniel Hunter, this is going to give him a DeMarcus Ware-type feeling, like a, a stand-up position where you have to you have to grow, you have to evolve. Um, evolution is it's, it's inevitable. You know, like Thanos always said, I am inevitable. And then, of course, Iron Man says, I'm Iron Man. But in this system, he's going to evolve. He's going to get better. He's athletic. We've seen him stand up. We've seen him get low. We've seen him go down on three point. We've seen him in the three technique uh, against the uh, New Orleans Saints and him and, and uh, uh, Everson Griffin wreaked havoc up the middle. So when you can do this as a just, this is part of our defense. It's not like Mike said something special. This is like, this is our defense. Our defense in is now going to go to our three technique and stand up. And now our rush backers are going to come into the game for third down. If it's a passing, I mean, there's a lot you can do in this defense. So I say that's one. Two, I think Harrison Smith's going to have a resurgence. I think Harrison Smith will have a resurgence for the simple fact of when there's a lot of movement, if Daryl Reed is right about um, this defense and, and what they've done in the past uh, on his stops at defensive coordinator or, or within this defense, and Mike Penton is going to put a little bit of his fingerprint on it. You know, we see him with the, with the Ravens. They did it with the Ravens when everybody moved around. Um, he went to the Jets and, and bought Bart Scott and tried to get the same out of him and, and get guys, you know, and, and they, you know, we that's where don't wait came from. You know, all of a sudden they're about to go play the 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 Patriots, you know, because the 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 Jets found a way to win and nobody thought they could win. Um, so that defense, I think Air Harrison Smith, because if you can confuse some people and people move around, balls come out faster. If the safety's in the right spot and he jumps the right route, it's a pick. Um, or it's just a big play. But I, I think Harrison Smith's gonna have a little bit of resurgence as well. 
Yeah, I'm. you, you kind of named the two that I was thinking. I'm going to go with Cam Dantzler. And I mentioned this with Gabe Henderson on Monday. Um, I feel like the biggest knock on Cam Dantzler has been the two-minute defense stuff, end-of-game situations where he's struggled. But he's been pretty good in the, in the bulk of a lot of these games. Well, what if they just tweak mm-hmm. the way they're approaching these two-minute drills? They're not playing so far off. They're not playing these deep prevent defenses. You get Cam Dantzler in some better situations there. Suddenly, people might be talking about him as one of the rising stars in this division. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited about Cam Dancer this year. I'm excited about Booth. I'm excited about what Peterson can do. I think the cornerbacks are really going to thrive in just a little bit of a different system. Yeah. All right. Why don't we hold on to these last couple of questions? I promise um, Double B and Shane, your other question, will get to you down the road. We appreciate um, questions from Meg, Shane, and Jesse. Good stuff. Well, it's coming up. The Daily Three, that's three questions, three minutes each. Stick around for that. And now on the Ron Johnson Show, me, Sam Ekstrom, we're going to dive into the Daily Three. It's three questions that Sam came up with. I got three minutes each to answer these questions. Take it away, Sam. All right. NHL Stanley Cup final game one last night went to overtime. It was a thriller. The overtime didn't last very long, so it didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of time to have like heart palpitations. But Avalanche did win very early in overtime to take a one nothing lead in the series. NHL overtime in the playoffs. I mean, it's known for being the most dramatic thing in sports. Do you agree, Ron? Do you think that is the best playoff overtime of any of the major sports? So... And let me get this right. I know during the season it was different. It was like three on three for overtime. For playoffs, it's full strength, sudden death, correct? Sudden death. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to say yes for the simple fact of that. One shot on goal, game over. I do like – and I don't understand soccer. I don't know what their overtime is, if it's the penalty kick thing or if it's the, like, you know, five people get the kick. I don't know what that – because I know they go extra seconds – and then, you, you, like, you can, like, until play stops, they can keep playing or something like that. Like, until a dead ball happens, I think is what soccer is. Or soccer like is like, like, in the World Cup, they play, like, 30 minutes of overtime. And even if you score, you keep playing. So you could score in overtime, but then the other team could still tie you. So there's not, not a sudden death format. And then the penalty kicks would be after that where you Correct. each get five. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That's So, yeah, basketball that gives you a full clock. Uh, you got football now that gives both teams a chance because we know what happened to the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, and then college football, both teams get a chance. So hockey, yes, I would say that is the most dramatic because only one team get like there's no if you score, then you get a chance to try to score. You get one shot on goal or something or you got 10 minutes to do it or five minutes. So, yes, it is extremely like every shot matters. Every shot, everybody's sphincter is getting tight. Like everybody's like, oh, unless it's your team, then you're like, oh. And so it was like in the avalanche, you know, again, the lightning are trying to three-peat. The avalanche were one of the better teams all season. Everybody talked about that. Like the wild would have had, like they, the wild would have had a tough time trying to beat the avalanche. Like we've seen what the avalanche can do. Um, like, again, not a bunch of big names. You know, you don't see McDavid's on this team. And, and the Sidney Crosby's and the names of names and the PK Superbonds. This team's just getting it done. It's a bunch of lines playing together, forcers doing their job, skaters, you know, goalie, you know, keeping track and, and doing a great job. Guys landed on the line when the puck. So, yes, is this the most dramatic? I would say, yeah, just for the simple fact of one shot and it's over. 
I've been to two wild overtime playoff games in my life, and they were some of the most nerve-wracking experiences. Just And one of them was a win, mm-hmm. and it was ecstasy. And people are jumping up and down. They're hugging strangers. And one of them was a loss. And you are just so demoralized in that moment. So it really <laughs> is the most powerful, I think, sports experience to be in those, those hockey overtimes. It's super yeah. fun to be there, super intense to watch. I love it. I hope we get uh, like five more of them in the series. Ron, you're in Arizona. Yep. Um, so I'd like to ask you, in honor of your Arizona trip, who do you think wins more games this year, the Cardinals or the Vikings? So this one for me was a tough one. So when I looked, and I have it here, so when I looked at the stats, you might have to edit this so I can get to this. I got to find the, the Cardinals. Uh, um, I got to get to their schedule. So mm-hmm. let me see. We'll just edit that. Where the heck did I put it? Oh, here it is. Okay. So, okay. So back to the question. So, so here's my take, Sam. Yes, I'm in Arizona. I got to run around, see Arizona State, check out their hoops court, all their stuff, great facilities. But when I thought about this question, then I started looking at their season. You got the Chiefs. That's a loss. You got the Raiders. It's probably a loss now because Derek Carr has Devontae Adams. They they got the Rams. That's a loss. So you're going to start the season off 0-3. They can beat the Panthers. Eagles, I don't know. Like, the Eagles can beat the Vikings. The Eagles are a lot better now. They've added another weapon to their arsenal. Um, Is Jalen Hurts the guy? I don't know. But let's just say the Cardinals uh, lose that one. So now they're 1-4. Seahawks, they can beat. They're 2-4 now. Uh, The Saints, I don't know. Like, again, I don't know what the Saints are. But I'm going to give – the Cardinals a win over that Saints team. I don't know why, just cause, but I, I think Honey Badger can can deviate a lot that Kyler Murray does because that's what he does. Um, and so at that point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. So out of seven games, at that point, they are now what four and three. I gave them or three and four. Mm-hmm. Did I say they're going to lose four? So if they yep. beat the Saints, they're going to lose to the Vikings. So let's put that one there. Uh, they'll beat the Seahawks. Um, then they have the Rams. They're going to lose again. Lose the 49ers. They're going to lose to the Chargers. They're going to beat the Patriots. They'll beat the Broncos. Bucks, they're going to lose. Falcons, they'll win. 49ers. Let's just say they beat the 49ers that time they split. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's eight and nine. People are saying the Vikings are nine and eight. So in this instance, I'm going to say, no, their win record is not better than Vikings because of who they play. I mean, I just named the teams of teams. You got the Rams. You got the uh, Chargers. Like, they got a tough division. You got the Raiders. The Raiders. I just say, no, I don't think they can get a better record than the Vikings. But again, it's going to come down. Because now if I say they're nine, eight, nine, and the Vikings are nine, and eight. That's me saying the Vikings beat them. So the only way for them to prove that they could get a better record, they got to beat the Vikings. They beat the Vikings. They're nine and eight. And the Vikings are eight and nine, according to the people. So that's where I'm gonna go with that one. It'll all hinge on that Vikings game. Well, the the division games for Arizona, other than Seattle, I mean they're gonna have four really tough ones: San Francisco right. and then and the Rams. Vikings, I think, have two tough ones, but. I don't see the Bears as tough. I don't see the Lions as tough. So those two games, that two games difference is pretty significant. All right, last one, Ron. NBA Finals, game six. Do the Warriors 
win tonight or do the Celtics force a winner-take-all game seven? I'm going to go with my heart. Is there a heart? Is there a heart in the house tonight? Uh, stand up. That's my that's my five heartbeats. Yes. I'm going to say yes. Why? Because the Warriors are playing like one heartbeat. Not five, one. When you watch them, they call it the, the blender. When they start passing the ball around that blender and it's just going around the court, you got Andrew Wiggins willing to take a shot. You got Draymond. Now, this is the question. <clears throat> if Draymond can find 65% of himself, just 65%, they will win for sure. If he is a shell of himself still, it's going to be close. But Andrew Wiggins has stepped up where Draymond could not. Now, if they didn't, I mean, not, not to be preposterous, but if they did not have Andrew Wiggins, they're not where they're at right now in this final because he has helped them. He has been that second guy. You know, he's been robbing to Steph's Batman when Clay is like Catwoman or something. And Draymond is like the penguin. I don't know what he's doing. He's counterproductive at times. But they showed a play where it got blendered around, goes to Draymond under the basket. The guy that was guarding Draymond falls. Draymond never looked at the basket. He didn't even like glance up to be like, oh, am I wide open? Should I dunk this? He can dunk. He's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he can dunk the ball. Like it has, doesn't have to be a jumper. He can lay it up off the backboard. He kicked it out. And then Clay missed the three. And, and so people are like, oh, is that could that have been the play that lost him again? It could have been. Like, just get the two. You're right there. But he's so in his head with some of the misses and, and the game he has not played. Like his mom even tweeted, like, I don't know who that is. His mom's like, I don't know who that is. When you guys find Draymond, tell him to call his mom's liquor for him. Like, that was the funniest tweet ever. I loved <laughs> it because people were tweeting to his mom, like, yo, what's going on with Day Day? What's wrong with your son? Miss Green, what happened? She's like, I don't know. Like, that ain't my son. Like, when y'all find him, you you tell me where he's at. And that's a Detroit mother for you. Like, that's why I loved it because I'm like, that's some Detroit mom stuff. That, that's not like Jerome Bettis' mama. Like, she would say something like that. Spice Adams' mom. Like, that's a Detroit mom for you. Like, she she was like, I have no idea who this kid is. Like, this is not the kid to play for the family, to play, you know, AU, Detroit basketball, went to Michigan State, was one of the better Michigan State players, had some great plays in his career with the Warriors. And now, maybe he's worried about TNT too much. Maybe he's worried about what, what I'm going to say on the stage with, with Chuck and Shaq. He's got the podcast. He's got the podcast. He, he's not focused on the game because he's missing simple stuff. You know, simple plays. Now, he's still being a bully. He's still being an ant. He's still being a mosquito. But he's not being Draymond. He's not being the guy that you're worried about when he gets the ball in the post or when he when he gets it on the block. He used to have that turnaround jumper. He used to have that little jumper that Steph could kick it out to him. He used to go to the hole. When they would be wide open threes and 30 people were running Steph, they could bounce pass it through somebody. Dre catches it. Boom, he's taking it to the hole, and he's going to lay it up and try to get contact. You're not seeing that. You're seeing that from Wiggins. And that's why I think the Warriors win because Wiggins has helped them, and they are going to be NBA champions tonight. What is it you always say, Ron? The sphincters are going to be tight for Boston. They They're going to be at there. home. All the pressure's on. What about Draymond hitting a game-clinching three in the closing minutes? How about that for some redemption? Mom will be proud of Draymond if they win the title tonight and he makes the big shot. And if he does that, we're not going to hear the end of it on TNT. Like, he's going to talk <laughs> his talk. Um, you know, the Miami Heat can now shut up because they were like, we want the Heat. You know, we want the Heat. And, you know, look what Draymond did. They couldn't even get the Heat. They got the Celtics. And that's, this is why. No, no, sorry. He said we're going to play the Celtics. 
Mm-hmm. And then he got mad at that. Well, look, they played the Celtics. He, you can be mad. And now the Warriors are about to finish. I mean, I think so. I mean, it's tough at home. Like, again, you got young guys who've never been in a situation. We know J- uh, Jason Tatum is going to do some Kobe Bryant type thing and come out with his Kobe Bryant's jockstrap or something. Or who knows what he's going to do to try to get attention tonight. But he's going to do something. Uh, but if it doesn't go right, we're not. We're never going to hear about it. We only hear about the Kobe stuff when he wins. Like, when he wins, people post that pit. Oh, look, he wore Kobe's warm-up outfit. Oh, he wore the wristband for Kobe. Oh, he texts Kobe before the game. When they lose, hey, Kobe didn't answer. So, in my in my opinion, <laughs> we already know. And Kobe's probably up in heaven like, man, why are y'all putting me in this? Like, I ain't got nothing to do with this kid. Like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a young guy that, that loved me. But, hey, hey, stop it. Like, nobody's better than Kobe. Because Kobe's a competitor even in heaven. Kobe's like, look, man, I got five trophies. Nobody's better than me. I'm Kobe. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I want to thank everybody for watching. Thank you all for downloading and subscribing on YouTube. But also, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. Have a great day, everybody.